Welcome to episode 14 of Something Inventive. Handbag House. Al and I discuss ad blocking in Safari, anchor tags, image resizing, and the music we listen to at work. So, what have you been up to recently? I know I saw... Well, in fact, I'm going to start again. <laughs> I've mucked it up already. Um, right, I've got my coffee, so we're ready to go. Um, we met up recently, so actually I know a little bit about what you've been doing recently, Al. But why don't you tell everyone else who hasn't met you recently? Um, so, uh, I've been working a lot on one of our sites for... Um, um, motorbike racing which is very exciting thrilling yeah. uh sport so i'm i'm really getting into that now which is which is really good and i'm able to give it a lot of focus which i think is very important um to not be you know too distracted with other other things um and i uh, as ever i've just been um working on lots of other little problem fixes here and there mm-hmm. on other sites um converting a few things to ssl um and yeah general oh yeah like we were talking about last time Yes, and and uh, mobile problems too. So I'm fixing a few sites where the site's fine and it, it just needs a bit of tweaking for mobile use. So you don't always have to completely redesign the site. You can just sort of shoehorn in <laughs> a solution mm. so it works better on a phone. Um, so yeah, I've been doing a few of those sort of things. Yeah, excellent. Um, well, as I said, we, we actually met up yesterday for a, um, a team catch-up meeting, and we hadn't had one for a while, actually. Um, just been, for various reasons, we'd postponed it. But we had a, a new team member joining us at the beginning of Ju- um, not July, not even there yet, but beginning of June, uh, Claire. And um, Claire will be helping us with lots of stuff. Uh, she's quite an all-rounder in terms of uh, her, her ability. Um, but the first things first, there are lots of little bits that we need to sort out operationally um, and, and reviewing and improving our projects so she's helping with that but ultimately Claire is also very good at video and video editing so she'll be supporting us with that and hopefully we'll be able to offer that more as a service so I'm really excited actually um, but anyway we had a good chat yesterday at our meeting and um, one of the exciting things that came out of it is some new developments for our, our rather inventive template WordPress template mm-hmm. uh, I won't show what they are because we want to do them first and we don't want, <laughs> we don't want to give it away until we, we've done them. But I think we've got some great ways of combining like a client onboarding process with some of our design templates and, and moving that forward. And I'm, I'm really excited about some of the ideas that we all came up with uh, and seeing those work. So, yeah, that's that's quite a cool thing. Mm. Something else that I've been up to recently is uh, I think this was a couple of weeks back. I went up to London uh, to meet two guys, Federico Vitici and Mike Hurley. They're two podcasters. In fact, Mike Hurley owns a podcast or runs a podcast network. So he's on lots of different shows. But the one I listen to particularly is called Connected. And it's it's all about Apple geekery, as that's something I'm into. And it was just, it's one of those things where I'd listen to them a lot. I thought it'd be worth going and meeting them. They're actually just on their way to Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference um, on the Monday. And so it was just really a collection of everyone who listens to the show. And I met uh, a couple of lovely guys. In fact, lots of lovely people. But um, most notably standing out is um, Mike, Carl and Nibs. Um, Mike actually is a a podcaster himself. um, And he he gave me a shout out on their podcast. So hopefully we'll be getting to interview him. It would be interesting to find out 
his point of view on podcasts, why he does it, and if it's a useful medium for people um, to promote their business. So that'd be quite interesting. But it's a really good evening. Uh, nice to nerd out for a little bit. And I think uh, Lou was quite happy for me to get that out of my system so I didn't have to bend her ear on it. Just a note on the Apple Developer Conference. I mean, there's lots of interesting stuff there from my point of view. Um, but from a marketing standpoint, what they announced as part of their Safari developments, and Safari is Apple's browser for the Mac and iOS, one thing they announced was a, a system to help protect privacy across sites. So, um, Al, you're probably aware that um, when you visit one site, it stores some details in a little cookie, and Google or Facebook might pick that up and then remarket to you on other sites. So you might see adverts for that product appear on other sites as you move around the web. Now, we've talked about this before a little bit, but they're introducing something that would block that or at least obfuscate it and make it a little bit more confusing to Google or whoever the advertiser is about which sites that person has been on. Good in some ways for the end user, but most of the internet and most of you know, a lot of commercial and non actually non-commercial sites are powered by advertising revenue. Yeah. So uh, is that... You know, is that a good thing? Well, it's funny. I was um, watching the conference with um, down at the Stroud Cluster, which is a co-working space. Um, I was watching the conference with the guys there. And uh, Mark, one of the guys who runs it, uh, looked at me and said, well, that's your, that's part of your business stuff. And we don't actually do a huge amount of remarketing. We, we do a little bit of it here and there. And I've got mixed feelings on it. I mean, I, for me, I'm not that bothered with um, adverts following me around the web. It, it makes sense. I think what bothers me more is when I've bought the product, I don't want to see that product anymore. Yeah, I'm not interested in it. I think that's something that they could do to improve. Yeah, you do almost need a thing saying, do you know what? I did I did do this, but I'm not in that. I'm not interested now. The thing I always think back to is when I was looking, uh, before I was going to build my own um, office garden, I was looking at sort of off, you know, off the shelf office garden, uh, office garden, garden offices. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just looking for big, you know, um, garden rooms and things online and then i just go around other sites and then i just keep seeing this advert which says we know you've been looking at our sheds <laughs> and i'm like did, did it oh, say that, yes, that did it, the actual uh, wording on the sh- on the oh, advert oh, we wow, know you've been looking at our sheds and i'm like oh, ah, more scary. <laughs> and it would follow me everywhere i went we know you've been looking at our sheds very mm. accusationally i'm like i don't want a shed anymore i'm building my own one go away and eventually no. they do sort of peter out and get replaced by other things which you've been looking at. But you could argue that tailor, like tailored advertising for what you've been looking at makes a lot of sense. If all the adverts in, on a TV show were for things that you were thinking you might need or have mm. been previously looking at, you'd, you'd, it'd be much more engaging. You wouldn't just go out and make a cup of tea. <laughs> you know, um, They try and guess the sort of person you are by the show, don't they, with yeah. the adverts? So it's tailored yeah. as much as they can. But if it, if it was like the internet and it was actually personal other adverts that they know that you've watched then that'd be very powerful wouldn't it but that's what the internet uh, can give you with um like you say cookies and uh, and sort of user history you know history from where you've been what sites you've been on do you like ad ad networks yes i think i'm not sure of the motivation behind it apart from it's two fingers up to google <laughs> um and and facebook to some degree because they have a remarketing platform to basically say well we control this user I'm, I'm not sure. I, while I think there are benefits, I'm, I'm sure there is more data they're collecting than they need to. And I think it may be that there is, there are potential privacy concerns that the advertisers know more information than they need to, and they might use that for other purposes. 
Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm mixed about it, really. Yeah, I mean, that cookie policy thing that came in a while back, um, I don't know whether we still have to adhere to that after Brexit, because that's one of like, the EU cookie policy. It's about, it's about the craziest it. policy that did come out, I suppose, from the EU. Yeah, they roll that in. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show it's been pretty much useless in trying to stop this sort of cross-contamination of information and your privacy, because... It's not changed anything, and all uh, you know, you still get advert you know, adverts on other sites because you've been to another site that has an you know ad linking network cookie on it, um, and they'll find ways of working out who you are from your IP and you know, all that sort of stuff. Well, well apparently, um, I don't know much about technically how it works, but apparently, it's been very difficult for them to stop this or block this remarketing because advertisers are very good about trying to work out who someone is from little bits of, of data yeah. and piece it together. So it's actually been quite a challenge. Now, I have no problem with allowing people to block um, all of their, um, pr- um, or have complete privacy when they're browsing the web. And I think that's good that they have that choice. I'm just wondering about whether people should by default have that. I don't know, because that's, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm mixed on it. I, mm. I've got to let this mull. I've got to see how, how far <laughs> it goes. Um, ultimately, I don't. It, it doesn't really bother me personally. But from a business point of view, I can see definitely useful, tangible cases where it can, where remarketing and advertising online can be done right and done well. So it might be affecting those as well with the same blunt instrument. Mm. I mean, advertising online isn't going to go anywhere. They're not just going to go. Oh well, it was good while it lasted, and they, you know. It's going to still remain. You'll just get less targeted ads, ads that are irrelevant to you. And, mm. and therefore, I think, better the devil you know in some ways. Maybe it's a better, um, we need to have better ways of managing that data and knowing what the advertisers have. So you can control that on your level if you're interested in controlling that. It mm. is, it's, it's, it's a difficult subject because um, it, it's almost the, the people who don't know how to control these things might be the people we need to protect from this. And the people who do know how to control it, well, there's various other ways of blocking this information. So I don't mm. know. I'm going to dig out and dig into it and find out more when the public beta is released for their um, uh, desktop operating system. And we'll have a look. Apple have instigated lots of other sort of content blockers and advert blockers. Um, and I think it's really there for the power users who want to use it. And, and anyone else, it's just left by default. So we'll see. We'll see what the default is, which is most important. Um, just before I forget, Carl, I'm really sorry. I actually uh, misattributed the podcast, um, the podcaster to Mike. Uh, Mike, I think, is a listener to um, Carl's podcast and um, very nice chat. It's actually Carl who has his own Mac podcast. So I'm sorry about that, Carl. <laughs> Hopefully we can, we can get together soon for that curry um, in Brick Lane. Um, so moving on, I think that was it. So, yeah, that was that's quite an exciting um, couple of weeks for um, me being an Apple geek. And um, I'm also really pleased that Claire's joined us. And I, I think there's... Um, a lot we can look forward to from that. So let's move on to the sponsor. Um, we're going to talk about Be Sociable, which is an excellent book. It's full of easy to follow social media tips and strategy to help you get noticed by the right people and for the right reasons. And you can buy it for iPhone, iPad and Mac at $9.99 on the iBook store. In fact, if you just search Be Sociable Ben, it should come up and you can buy it there. So if you want a free copy, just visit our website, ratherinventive.com, scroll down to the bottom and fill out the newsletter sign-up form, and you'll get a link to the book in an email back to you pretty much straight away. Now, I wrote the book with Helen Caldercutt, who's a social media trainer based in Worcester, 
really we were struggling because there was thousands of resources, videos, books, tips, how-tos, discussion and so on around social media online, but few were concise and easy to read and some were pretty awful. So uh, we decided to put together something which we hoped would be useful um, from our point of view and for our customers. Uh, tip examples like getting a recognisable profile name on all the different social networks, talking to Twitter as a person, or even stalking your customers on LinkedIn. So if you're interested in getting a copy, just search for Be Sociable Ben on Google, or you can visit our website and click Social Book in the menu, and it's only $9.99. And that's available for iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Or if you want a free copy, which is a PDF and works on pretty much any platform, you can go to our website, ratherinventive.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and subscribe to our newsletter. Right, so let's moving on. Um, we are going to start first with Anchor Tags in WordPress. Al, would you like to tell us what Anchor Tags are and how we might use them on a website? Okay, so yes, just bring it back out of WordPress um, for the time for now and just talking about Anchor Tags generally. So um, it's, it's essentially a mechanism to go to a, a particular place on a page. So you're not landed at the top of that page, but it will automatically land you exactly on the content further down the page mm -hmm. um, a good example of how that works in practice might be if you do a search for something and a wikipedia link comes back in google and you click on the main link at the top that'll take you to the top of that page but if you look in the um, little summary in the results on google it'll say let's say you search for squirrels it might just say um, jump to squirrels uh, down in the actual description and you click on that and it will take you to that specific thing about squirrels um, on the page further down. So it's just, uh, um, that's traditionally how it's used. There are other things it's useful, um, but that's essentially it. Now that can be useful if, if you've got a particularly long page and you're sending out some information to a customer on email or something like that, and you just want to get them to that particular part of it. Mm -hmm. What the difference in the uh, link is, is at the end of um, the normal URL, there's a little uh, hash symbol and then a, a word. Um, and that word is is in the, the page in a specific way that the browser knows that that's where you want to get to. Mm -hmm. Now, so the hash symbol, weirdly enough, I had a, a client the other day who didn't know what the hash symbol was. And uh, I suppose we mm -hmm. take it for granted that everyone knows what's what when we talk about these sort of things and he had to describe it to me <laughs> he was he was like there's a funny symbol on my screen and i don't know what it is and i need to describe it to you so he described it as two horizontal lines and then two a bit wonky lines through it and i was like that's the hash symbol <laughs> which it is um and uh, i suppose the best uh, description i think of it is like a noughts and crosses uh, board yeah. uh, bit in italic Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's an italic noughts and crosses board. A uh, little tiny noughts and crosses board. It's very, very <laughs> tiny, yes. Um, so in order for um, an anchor tag to work, uh, you need two things. You need um, the that little hash symbol with a word on the end of it in the URL, and you need the page uh, where you want the person to fly down to that particular area on the page. You need to put that exact same word in a certain way in your content. Mm-hmm. There are two ways to do this. The traditional way is by using the A tag in HTML, which actually does mean anchor, although it's used for linking also. So if you've ever seen, I'm sure you've seen in your code or elsewhere, um, a little HTML tag which just says A href equals, and then it's got a URL in it. Yeah. And then it's got some words like click here, and then it's got end of A, which is like the end of the anchor tag. 
that is essentially an anchor tag and 99% of the time it's used for linking elsewhere. Al, we don't put uh, click here in our in between our link tag. Um, no, we don't. But I was just uh, <laughs> off the top of my head, it's the quickest thing I could think of I know. I know. Uh, to say this is a link. Um, no, we tap here or yeah. Anyway, um, the proper way to the proper way to link something up is to, is to put the text reference in for what it is you are linking to. Anyway, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just joking. Go on. I, I know. I know. Um, so ninety nine percent of the time the A tag or the anchor tag is used for that. Um, but another, re- well, I'm not really not very flowing well today. Hang on. It's, it's actually quite a hard thing to describe because it's not something a lot of people use. Most people don't think about it. It's, it's, it's um, non-standard in some of the CMSs we use to implement. So it's actually, as a concept, it's probably not something people are aware of, but actually use quite a lot. Mm. <clears throat> another use for the, the HTML a tag is um, to take out the href part and put a name in there. So it mm. says a name equals, and let's just call it, well, let's use our squirrels example. So it'd be a name equals squirrels. And then you've created an literally an anchor in your content where if you link to it using that little hashtag and then squirrels, the browser would know that's where you want to, it to scroll down to. So that would become at the top of the page when you link through to it. Um, that's essentially it. That is a little bit uh, difficult to do. You have to literally, even in, well, in most CMSs and in WordPress, you have to type that in yourself. So you have to put in the code, in the text view, you have to put A and then name equals squirrels and then close that. And then, you know, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit uh, over the top. But um, another thing you can do, which is much easier, better, and a lot more flexible actually, is, um, to use an ID tag in one of the elements. So maybe you've got a heading that says uh, all about squirrels and it, that's maybe an H2 tag. So the quick way would be to go into the text view and in that H2 opening tag, just put space and then put ID equals squirrels. And now that ID can also be linked to by, um, by a, a, an anchor tag hash link. So if you had your site.com and then a little hash and then squirrels, it would know to go down to there. I use that all the time. It's really useful because you can use that for other things. Um, for example, if you're doing anything with JavaScript or anything else where you need to identify that specific place on the page, you can then reference it that way. Um, so yeah, yeah, and actually in Visual Composer, which is a plugin we use to lay out elements in WordPress, um, it's got an ID field that you can just type in there so it's very easy to make a block of content give it an id squirrels and uh when you reference that page you just put hash squirrels after the url and it jumps straight to it very easy you don't need to dive in you don't need to do any programming or html markup um it's a much easier way of doing it isn't it yes it is there's one little tip i would give about using those is to give it uh, to actually attribute the, the the anchor tag so the id equals squirrels put that a little bit above um where you want the user to um, land or add some padding to that element. The reason being, the browser will put it absolutely at the top of the browser yeah. screen. And it can be a little bit, people will actually miss it because it's so close to the top, you need a little bit of a gap. So actually I would advise using a bit of padding on that element. You may have that already. On a, let's sometimes, say an H2 element. Sometimes on the designs you might have a floating header and the browser will push that content right to the top, which means it's actually under the header. 
Um, and I think in the past you've delved into CSS. Uh, I think if we're doing a form, sometimes we'll, we'll make it form for the anchor tag. And so you can say anything with form in it, ID form, Mm-hmm. make it uh, have an extra bit of padding on top yeah. and it will just adjust for that. Because, yes, otherwise it doesn't look pretty, does it? Because it slams it right mm-hmm. at the top and no. it's not ideal. Or if you're not going to use that ID as an identifier for, for anything JavaScripty um, or any other reason, you can. I often uh, put it on the element above it. You might have a, like a horizontal line or you may mm-hmm. have an end of a... Um, uh, no, that's not true. You might have a horizontal line or you may have a, another element just above it, some kind of separator, and, and attach it to that because that will then go to the top of the page. There'll be a nice little gap, and then it's you know the start of your squirrels paragraph. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's a little uh, tip there. Um, now, uh, those hash, those hash um, URLs, they are sometimes referred to as um, URL fragments. That's something I only heard recently. Yes. Um, I, it's not something I've ever called it. I've always no. called it a hash location. That's mm. just my... That's just the language I use for it. But I was talking to someone and they said, oh, it's a um, URL fragment. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Never heard that. But uh, having looked into it, yeah, that's that's kind of what they're, they're called. They are ways, yes, of um, having a URL with a yeah, specific location when you click on it on the page. It might not even be that it scrolls down to that content. Um, it's sometimes also referred to as deep linking. You may have a photo gallery or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you may see on there that it has deep linking. That essentially means you could pass it, uh, let's call it a, you know, a URL fragment, this, this hash location, and that particular slide of your photo gallery would be first. It would appear on the page. Yeah. It's a way of telling the page something, saying, I want to go to this page, but I just want to see this hmm. first, whatever it might be, whether it's a slider uh, or, or scroll down to the content. A couple of interesting things about um, these URL fragments. Google doesn't index them, so they're not indexable. So if you have any links with these on, Google will just strip that off. That's why you don't see them in Google. But although I did mention that earlier, that's actually in the results, in the summary. It's not in an actual link. So if you've got lots of these links with the uh, URL fragments on the end, um, yeah, they're not going to be, it's not duplicate content or anything. It, There's a Google small exception to that, or a large exception depending on how you look at it. When you have a hash and an exclamation mark next to each other, then yeah, Google bang, does yeah. index a hash bang. Yes. <laughs> it's a silly name because I think an exclamation mark is called a bang as well. And if you have those two together, which are often used with certain content management systems for different pages, um, just because of the way they've made it, Google will index that as a separate page. But that's only something they've done more recently, as far as I can see. And I, I still don't like that approach. But otherwise, yes, Google will strip it off. But crucially, it's not something at the end of a URL. That's actually in the directory structure of a URL. You used yeah. to see it on Twitter. For Twitter users, they had twitter.com and then a hash bang and then a yeah. forward slash and then the name. But um, yeah, you do see it less now. It's a really ugly URL, I think. Mm. Um, if you can get good looking and ugly URLs, so that's an example of an ugly URL, I guess. Another quality of uh, using the hash location in the URL is that the browser sees it as like a back state and Mm. a forward state so um if you were to land on um a page with a url fragment in and you go forward and you go back it will land you in that same place again so uh, i've used that in a few uh, situations um where you need to kind of almost remember where the person was on the Mm. page when they click through to the next page and then go back 
uh, it's treated as a back. You may notice it on sites where, you, where you've got a photo gallery and you kind of go through the photo gallery and then you click back and you, th you want to go back to the previous page you're on, but actually it just cycles you back through the photo gallery mm -hmm. because they're using these uh, hash locations in, in the, um, or URL fragments, I'm, I should say, in the URL to control that. Do you remember, Al, um, talking of back, and, uh, back buttons, do you remember mm -hmm. when people wanted websites designed with back buttons built into it because they weren't mm -hmm. sure whether people understood that they had a back button in their browser? Yes. Yes, and it seems silly, but um, I just remember it uh, when, when in the early days of the web, when people weren't really used to where things were, and actually often they were changed. Then we would put a lot of that functionality directly into the website as well. I know, I know, and I remember having conversations with people, and they'd say, "But well, how do people know that? A, how do people know that the back button's up there?" Well, <laughs> because everyone uses it, <laughs> yeah. and you just have to, you know. You have to take a, a leap of faith that people are going to do that and sure enough the back button has really really sort of become quite a popular thing <laughs> mm. okay okay so is that uh, everything on anchor tags i think for now before i yeah, blow my own so, mind there yeah i know it's, it's really difficult and we'll try and find a blog post that will articulate this in text so you can have a look through but essentially the way um, i tend to use them and uh, um, certainly is if we have uh, a contact form at the bottom of a page so you might have a lot of content um, you've got a contact form at the bottom of the page but we also want to put a button right at the top saying hey are you interested more information down the bottom and you can you can get your free quote or whatever it might be mm. and well, that then can be a very useful way to add that hash onto it hash form or hash quote and it will zip people straight down to the bottom one last thing on that, don't put any spaces or any weird characters in, yeah. in that. Keep it. I tend to try and keep it all lowercase. Um, and yeah, no spaces. Just One keep it better. really simple. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And human readable. It's also mm. handy. Okay. Next topic. <laughs> yeah, next, um, next topic is resizing tools. Um, we might skip into um, optimizing images as well. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to touch on what tools are available to actually resize images before uploading to a content manager. Um, and what's available. Uh, I've got a few on my list here. Um, they're either web focused or Mac, Mac focused, unfortunately. So um, if anyone's got any PC ones. Mac yeah, bias. I know, I know. I know. Um, well, you can't talk now. Um, mm. Long time since we used a PC. So the, ones, the one I use specifically is Pixelmator. Now, Pixelmator is a paid app on the Mac. Uh, you can actually get it on the iPad and iPhone as well. But it's on the Mac, and I think it's about $30, something like that. It's not, not a bad price. Certainly, if you are looking for something which has uh, many of the features of Photoshop, but not at the price of Photoshop or even the subscription, I think probably one month subscription to Photoshop you can buy Pixelmator for. Um, and it's a really good app, very fast. It's built to run with a Mac and very, you know, very good at being able to go in, open videos, um, sorry, open images, crop them how you need them, resize them as you want. You can have multiple layers if you want to build up an image. It's even got a great retouch tool in there. So if you need to remove blemishes, you can do that as well. Um, some really, really good tools actually. Um, but that is Mac only. And, and it's paid. And some people, you know, they don't do enough image editing that it's worth buying that sort of application. So there are a couple of online apps I'd recommend as well. One I have used, which is called Canva. 
and it allows you to build it doesn't allow you the flexibility so much of Pixelmator, which almost gives you too much freedom but it gives with canva it gives you a basis to build online graphics where you can drag and drop images in it comes with some custom um, layouts or templates to start off with and it's to build oh, what are they called those really long infographics that's it i forget the name of them um, so it allows you to build graphics that you can use online um, something related but um, slightly different is called Landscape from Sprout Social. And what this allows you to do is produce lots of graphics that you might need for online and networking, social networking. So graphics that you might put in headers, graphics that you might post along with images. And it helps you create all of those Im image sizes that you need for the different social platforms. So it's quite a nice little tool. It's not something I really use because I use Pixelmator for that job, but um, it might be something that's useful to you. And I believe it's free. Al and I were also talking before the show, trying to think of some PC um, image editors. And the only one we could come across um, or think of that was free or cheap, and I think this one's free, is GIMP. Um, I don't use it. I, I believe it comes from a, a Linux or Unix background, but it is available on the PC. And I do know a couple of clients that use it and are very happy with it. There's also another one that is Fire Something. <laughs> I, I really can't remember the name. I will find out what the name's called and I'll put it in the links. Um, I remember going to see someone as part of the FasterShare um, uh, business advice that I do. And, and they, they had this great app, which um, they, they use called Fire Something. It seemed very similar to Pixelmator to me, very simple. And they use that a lot. So I'll try and find out the name for that one. What tools do you use, Al, online for um, image editing? Well, I think I'm I'm pretty um, behind the times on this. I, I tend to just use Photoshop because I have it. Mm -hmm. And I just tend to use a Photoshop batch action on a folder of images. And I will use the um, automate and then the fit um, command mm -hmm. in there. So I can then just make sure everything I tend to do about 1600 pixels uh, tall or wide. Yeah. Um, so it'll just resize everything so it fits as if it was in a 1600 by 1600 sort of square. But it will keep it proportional. Mm -hmm. I tend to do that, and then um, it's done. So, and then, so, what, yeah. so what you're saying is that it will resize it to a maximum of 1600 width or height, yes. but whatever its proportion, whether it's landscape or portrait, it'll still keep landscape or portrait. It won't fit it to a square. Exactly. Yes, it'll yeah. fit it in a square, but it won't. It won't cover the entire square. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's essentially it's the same as 1600 pixels on its longest side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very handy, actually. And it's something I remember when I used to use Photoshop, and I have it too. We've, we've got um, a Creative Cloud license that we, we share. Um, and it's something that um, I remember that that batch programming in Photoshop is really powerful. Mm -hmm. And it will do all of that for you, and it will do it over a whole folder. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I've always just used that, so I've just carried on <laughs> using it. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other applications? Fireworks we used to use a bit more. Um, yes, but I wouldn't generally run a kind of batch action to resize and fireworks. And I wouldn't use fireworks for images. And also fireworks is, is unfortunately dying a very painful death, much yeah. to my uh, grievance. Yeah. We loved it, didn't we? But it's just oh, not been updated. It's fantastic. But, um, this might be another podcast, um, uh, topic. There is a new thing from, um, Adobe, which is taking over from fireworks, but oddly it's kind of worse than fireworks at the moment. Mm. I'm not sure why they didn't just start from fireworks and take out some things, um, but it can only get better. It's called uh, Adobe XD. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been trying to start using that 
um, I've had to come to terms with uh, the imminent <laughs> demise of fireworks. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to get to, yeah using that more. But I think that could be interesting other other topics. So let's let's leave it there on that one for now. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, so we also were um, looking at the idea of image compression, and I think you've been playing with a plugin for WordPress that um, might be worth talking about for a couple of minutes. Yeah, so I've been uh, trying Imageify out from the makers of uh, WP Rocket, which is a really good WordPress caching plugin. Do they make it? I thought it was a different company. They are affiliated with one another. Ah, yeah. Right, they might be the same. Yes, they do They do heavily promote it. I do yes, know that. they are linked, definitely. Uh-huh. Um so yes, I'm always very nervous of running anything in a massive batch action live on a WordPress website, <laughs> just in case it doesn't work or mm. the some issue. It's yeah, just very cautious like that. Um, so I ran it on like a dev site. Um, essentially, what it does, it's a subscription-based plugin system. So it's a bit different from your regular plugin where you pay for it and it's like a one-off payment. You may have to pay, you know, for updates and so forth. It's not quite like that. You can install it, but then you pay for the number of images that you run through it. Uh, so if you up, you know upload a hundred images a month, you need a, a license that allows you to do that. Mm. Um, and if you use it across multiple sites, like we would do, um, it, your kind of allowance is shared amongst all those sites. So it's an interesting payment method. And initially you think, hmm, this is quite expensive. But once you've done the you know the the the, in, the main bulk of your images and you only upload a couple of images a month, let's say, it's not so bad. And what it does is it it takes a copy of your main image and then it also sends it over to like the imageify servers uh, which does all the processing of the image so it's not going to slow down your site that much it's not kind of running on your site it runs on their site this this engine and then it 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 then um replaces all of your images with much much smaller file size images not physically smaller they're the same resolution and size as they were before they are incredibly smaller i don't know how they do it it is it is phenomenal they are they are sometimes like 75% smaller than they were. So they've literally removed 75% of the information, but the pictures often are indiscernible. Generally, they appear the same. There are yeah. exceptions when you have True. a particularly highly detailed image. Yes. But you otherwise, choose, they're really good. Yeah, you can choose in the three settings of whether you want like crazy, ultra, you know, um, reduction, or if you're just, you know, middle of the road reduction or, or not, don't reduce it too much, you know. So you've got, you've got three options. Um, uh, yeah, and really good. And you can um, restore back to your original if need be. And what's really nice is you can click on it uh, on an image inside your WordPress media gallery and you can review the um, the reduced one, the optimized one, uh, with the original one by using yeah, a, little, like a little slider, which is like a, a kind of JavaScript slider thing, which is really useful. So you can literally swipe it across and just check. what I mean, you're going to get a little bit of degradation here and there because you you know you don't get something for nothing but from some of the tests i did i could not tell the difference so um really really good and the file size have been reduced massively so that's great and and that helps with speed because if you have uh, a smaller file size that's being loaded then your page is being able to be loaded faster by the browser which it's, means uh, yeah. potentially get a better google speed score and you might get better um search optimization for that but if nothing else it's a better user experience yeah Oh, yeah, especially if you're out and about, you know, not on a Wi-Fi signal, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I used to use, well, I still do, um, I use a, a, an application called Image Optim for this, which is Mac only, unfortunately, because it's an, an ace app. Uh, and what it does is 
effectively what Imageify does, but on your computer. Um, I think Imageify is nicer because it just does it automatically. Every, every image you upload just gets converted by your default settings. But image opting is very useful if I'm um, processing a lot of images and it, I want to save space before I upload them. Um, and the way that works is it will first reduce the metadata. So metadata is the um, information stored in an image, like text data really, saying what camera it was taken on, what the location was, and tons of other stuff. That is generally useless to um, a website. It's not going to use that information. Um, and it, it can take up a lot of space. And often when I run things through just taking off that alone, not compressing it, so not reducing it in any way, but just taking out the metadata, it can reduce it by something like uh, I don't know, 20, 30%. Um, but what it'll also do is then it'll optimize it with JPEG compression. So this is when you might reduce the quality, but hopefully you won't be able to tell the quality is really reduced. Uh, and that can squeeze things down by 60, 70 percent. Uh, and most images look pretty much the same. Um, it really does depend what it's for and whether it's a front page image and it needs to be as crisp or sharp or it's just something for the news article. Um, so you really can tweak it. And it's amazing, really, what it can do. So I think that's all we need to say on uh, image editing. It's worth, um, it would be worth people having a look at Imageify, just see whether it's, it's the sort of thing you want to do. But before you install it and start running the plugin, do take a full backup of everything. It does do that itself and it won't destroy the originals. But before you start crying, uh, because we recommend something that you, you lose all your files, please back it up. It's, um, it's always worth doing that before you install any plugins that are going to mess around with your files. I totally endorse that. Yeah, it can't, you can't be too careful, even if it takes you, you know, an hour or two. How long would it take you if it did, if there was a problem, a lot longer? So it's yeah. always good to have that peace of mind. Yeah, I always, always think that. So moving on, let's do our podvert. This is from at WordBirdieLoo. Need help writing blog posts? Visit WordBirdie.com. Now I think I can add a bit more to this. Um, so WordBirdie, just, for, just um, to be transparent, is run by Lou, my wife, uh, and our copywriter for Rather Inventive. But it's um, a, a side project just focused on helping companies um, support and develop their blog writing. So really uh, just focused on a re um, helping companies produce that regular blog each month to help improve uh, engagement with people on the site and maybe just creep them up that search engine ranking a little bit as well. So definitely worth having a look at that. Okay, so let's move on to, we've got a few topics here. Uh, don't think we'll have time for them, but one I do want to touch on is music while people are working. Um, and it's actually a topic I've done a bit of research for. Yay. Um, so what I did is a couple of different things, actually. I put out a poll on Twitter. So I don't often use the polling functionality on Twitter. Um, and if you've never used it, it's worth a go. Basically, you can, have, you can ask up to four different questions on there and get people to vote um, what they would um, prefer. And then at the end of a period of time, like three days or seven days, I think this ran for seven days, you'll get a percentage total about um, who found which um, item most interesting. I remember LinkedIn used to do this. I don't think they do it anymore, but I thought it was quite useful. Um, so looking at that, we only had four votes. Yay, Twitter. Thanks for rallying to that. Um, and they were evenly split. Um, the questions were, do you prefer music with words, music without words, talking, so like podcast, radio, that sort of thing, or nothing, just silence while you're working? 
So I'm not looking at people while they're cleaning um, or doing chores, that sort of stuff, but just specifically while they're working. And it was, as I said, evenly split 25% on each of those across the board. So no, no overall majority? No, not on Twitter. And there was very little conversation on Twitter about it. However, so I um, took to other, some other sources as well. We looked at our own internal campfire, um, which is like a chat room part of Basecamp. And um, yeah, everyone came in with their suggestions. Again, silence was um, top here. It was important for people if they were concentrating that silence was really important. Um, but after that, if people knew what they were doing, like they were doing admin work or something that didn't require much focus, um, Six Music seemed to be useful to people. Uh, Radcliffe and Maconi, I think, was one of the shows that uh, Catherine mentioned. Um, Jake um, likes drum and bass, but with no lyrics for when he's working on something. Uh, Annette, rock music. Al, tell me about your pick. Oh, I tend to listen to um, kind of soulful and vocal house music, yeah. which has got yeah, sort of upbeat, um, but also, yeah, just it's not very wordy, so I don't end up listening to it. And I think that's important. When people mm-hmm. are talking, I tend to listen yeah. rather than think what I'm doing. I find that all the time. So it has to be just sort of almost nonsense, and that helps. <laughs> but you also it. mentioned something about listening to music that might fit the design of a site that you're working on. I sometimes, thought that was interesting. Yeah, sometimes if I'm designing, I, I think it's you know it's creative, isn't it? And I think you can be influenced by um, your surroundings for that. Mm. And and so if I'm designing a site which I which needs to be kind of I don't know needs a slightly different sort of mindset, I might listen to something that I think would if if the design was in a musical form what that would what that would sound like <laughs> if you know yeah. what i mean so an example like a, a site we did recently um it was quite a nice very simple site but needed to be really elegant but visually interesting but not over the top mm-hmm. um, and quite quite peaceful so i listened to smooth jazz while i was designing <laughs> that to help and i think it does help i think if you're really in the zone and um You've got these sort of sounds in your ears. And sometimes I might just play the same song 20 times. Yeah. If I've, if it just hits the, the right sort of um, motivation for me and I can, and it can kind of drive me, I will just keep listening to that over and over again. It sounds bizarre, but um, it kind of does work if you're in the zone. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, actually. There's um, a group I'll mention or a, a collective where I listen to a lot of their music because... Um, you start your your brain likes the music feels very good when that music's coming on and it works quite well um you now you mentioned at the moment we're working on this um motorbike racing site what are you listening mm. to for that well yeah at the moment i'm listening i'm still listen, listening to my house music for that <laughs> it's a rock and roll yes, or some I like know. uh hardcore uh was it metal techno metal i may <laughs> i may listen to some rock yes I mean, I've almost, I'm also a recent convert to um, Six Music as well, actually, mm. for the variation, which I quite like. Um, so, yeah, that's a, weirdly, that's just a recent thing I've converted to before this, um, before your poll. But it's, as it turns out, a lot of other people listen to, <laughs> to it too. And I understand a lot of their demographic is like graphic designers and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and there was something in there for, you know, the variation and, and the kind of uh, style of music um, they play. Uh, so, yeah, there's something there, I think. Six Music is definitely my go-to for uh, Sunday mornings. I tend to like that. Um, I remember when we were doing up our previous house, uh, Lou and I listened to Six Music, and it was the guy from Red Dwarf, who my name is, his name's going Great Charles. Yeah, yeah, he, he's brilliant. He's got his uh, funk and soul show. And, and so we used to listen to a lot of that. Um, 
Six Music, very good for housework, anything like that, DIY, um, perhaps if I'm listening to it with, um, with Lou, or actually I listen to a lot of podcasts now, to be honest, if I'm having to get, get on with a job on my own. Um, yeah, Six, Six Music, very good, or in the car. Can't, I can't listen to Radio 1 anymore. It's, it's too loud. I'm too old for that. No, um, no. It's um, young people. It is for young uns. In fact, I took my car in for a service and um, I don't generally listen to the radio much in there, but um, uh, I brought, brought the car back out and it's tuned to Radio 1. It's like, you only have my car for, um, I don't know, an hour and you have what? to listen to Radio 1. What? It's every, t- every time I take the car in for a service or any, in fact, any work that happens on it. Um, radio 1, you may as well just record five songs and just keep playing them over and over because that's, yeah, that's really yeah, what that's, happens. <laughs> Actually, no, Radio 1 um, has some very good music in the evenings often. And certainly when uh, Zane Lowe was on, on Radio 1, he, there's some brilliant evening music. But actually, you can get a lot of that streamed now. You don't need to listen to Radio 1 and have their sort of inane, inane chatter in there as well. Mm. Uh, and on that note, mm. so, th- so what I listen to when I, I work is um, techno, electronic dance music or EDM, as it's referred to. Um, and that's when I, and it's a very specific, has a very specific task. I can't listen to anything when I am thinking. So if, if, I, if I'm looking at a quote or I re, if I'm doing something which is a challenge or I haven't done before, and nothing, absolute silence. But when I'm in the zone and I'm working on something which is a known quantity and I've just got to plough through it, then um, dance music or uh, specifically dance, uh, techno is, is good because it's got a beat. It has movement in the, in the music. It's not too repetitive, although some people might think it is. But it's it's got enough repetition that it's not taxing your brain, um, and it actually creates this momentum. Certainly mm. for me. Mm. Um, but but really, I, I listen to anything else while I'm cooking, driving, or or, or, or around the house. Um, so that that's quite good to hear what you know, different sorts of music that people liked in our team. But I think I got the most feedback from LinkedIn. Actually, I got some, there's a few pe- new people that I hadn't spoken to or hadn't heard of on LinkedIn before. Um, and I won't mention everyone's names here because there's too much, but, um, Banging House was quite useful from one guy, Simon, I think it was. Um, he liked anything from, I think what he said is different music for different work, very specifically. Um, so he went from anything from hard or handbag house. I'm not actually sure what handbag house is. I'm going to look that up later. Um, to ambient and folk music. So he was very varied, but very specific for the type of work, which I thought was interesting. Um, but on top again was silence when people needed to concentrate. So mm-hmm. if you need to get work done and it's new to you, silence is the best way. And, and actually that's what I like about working remotely or working from a home office is you can get that silence if you want it. Yes. How do you get that in? I mean, I've worked in open plan offices. And you're lucky to get even a second of silence. You know, is I'm not sure that's conducive to good work. You know, being an open no. plan. Um, so yeah. And even I'd, just putting on headphones, that doesn't. It doesn't block out distractions because it's not just about silence. It's about not being visually distracted. It's not about having just uh, muffled sounds. I think at having total silence is a wonderful and very precious thing. And it's nice um, It's nice to be able to do this. I mean, today, uh, I'm very lucky that I can podcast in our office and it's quiet. It's actually been... I know you were worried about the, the noise that might be going on because some renovation in the background, but actually I haven't heard that. So it, it's nice for you to, you know, for us to be able to have that silence when we want it. Yeah. But I find music is a real driver. When, you, when you're in the zone to d- a design or some technical work or even just, even just um, admin invoicing, it can really help you plough through that work quite, quite quickly. 
Um, so um, I'm going to put some of the um, some of that information as part of the blog post with any music recommendations that people have. But I'll give you one now, and Al, maybe you want to think of a particular recommendation, like an artist that you'd re- recommend that you've been listening to recently. But um, I would like to recommend this collective called Anjuna Deep. I think that's what what I would call them. But they they seem to produce a huge amount of music. They also curate a lot of different music from different people. I don't think they produce everything themselves, um, but they they certainly mix a lot of it together. And I really I like their taste. It seems to work really well with me. So they're called Anjuna Deep, and there's a lot of it. I think they've produced um, eight Anjuna Deep albums, and but all of them are very long on Apple Music, but you could probably get them on any streaming service. And I want to thank Sarah Townsend for putting me onto those. She's a copyright in Cheltenham, I think it's Cheltenham. She she gave me a long list of music that she listens to, and Anjuna Deep was a goldmine uh, in terms of what they produce. Um, so if anyone is into that sort of techno, electronic dance music, and finds that really valuable to work and doesn't know of Anjuna Deep, um, get into that. It's really good. Al, what would you recommend? Oh, I I don't know, Ben. <laughs> no cut this bit off. I, I have no idea. I, <laughs> I just listen to the style. I don't have any idea about artists or anything like that. I don't. Right, I just okay. don't. So yeah, it's more it's more about the, the style honest. of music rather than particular artists to you. Uh, yes. Oh, very much. Excellent. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, funnily enough, with um, I used to be uh, not that bothered about music when I was younger, uh, when you had to go and buy it. But now you can stream it, and I don't need to think about how much things cost. And I can listen to any music I like. I'm I've become much more uh, uh, into listening to a variety of music more so than any other part of my life, which is is brilliant. And I'm, I'm I quite enjoy it. It's quite nice. So thank you to everyone who participated in the various different forms. Um, it was really interesting to see what gave the most feedback as well. Um, and LinkedIn, thank you. You've done you've done yourself uh, proud there. I think that's it, Al. We're, we're running at uh, just under an hour, so um, I think we should uh, sign it off there. But perhaps should we tease the, the, the topics that you've, you mentioned for next time? Okay, so some ideas here for next time um, is do we rely too much on computers and computer programs in our day-to-day life? Um, and um, when do you know that your site is ready to go live mm. you're having a site built? So, yeah, yes. two little questions there. Well, one quite a big question. <laughs> yeah, very important, yes. that last one as mm. well, um, I think, specifically. Because uh, it's something we come up against quite a lot, really, in, in terms of helping people know when that is. Great. So we'll look at those next time, hopefully uh, both together. Otherwise, you can find uh, us both online. We're on Twitter. I'm at Ben Kinnaird on Twitter, and Al is at Inventive Al. You can find our website online um hopefully <laughs> at ratherinventive.com um also do do get a copy of our book as i said it's free you just need to go to ratherinventive.com scroll down to the bottom sign up for our newsletter and you get a free copy of the book if you don't want the newsletter just hit the unsubscribe link at the bottom i won't be offended i won't personally call you out on the podcast next time i promise can um, you give them a hash location so they can fly right to the uh, the, uh, the, the book mm. no no we really <laughs> should think about that <laughs> I probably could if I would get round to uh, yes. making that change, but I'm not going to. So no, you've, got to put, you've got to put some work in. You've got to put some scrolling in. Yes, okay. That, that's that's ratherinventive.com. Scroll to the bottom, right at the bottom, and there's a form. Enter your email and submit that. Or if you want to pay the nine ninety nine, and thank you if you do, search for Be Sociable Ben, click on the iTunes link, and you can buy it from various different platforms there. 
that was a great show thanks Al and look forward to seeing you next month brilliant see you then